So if you've got a Bible, we're going to read Joshua 1, the verse, uh, nine verses together, um, and then we're going to jump into our message today around that theme of finding certainty amidst all that is uncertain. Uh, but I want to read from Joshua 1, verses 1 through 9, before we get into our um, message today. And this is going to really set the tone, and we're going to come back at the end of our time and talk about um, why I believe God's charge over Joshua is so appropriate for us to hear today, uh, because I believe the charge he's giving us and the calling he's laid on us is so similar um, to what he gave to Joshua. So Joshua 1, verses 1 through 10, uh, verses 1 through 9, the word of God says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to the, all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go." This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, we are in week two of what we're calling a vision check. If you've ever been, doing the, been to the eye doctor, you know what a vision check is. But for the rest of us, uh, for the rest of you, I, I've been, of course. Uh, if you weren't with us last week, here's the gist of what this is all about. Uh, there are many things that we only have to do once or twice a year. Um, taxes, hopefully just once a year. If you had to do them twice a year, then it's big trouble, right? Uh, taxes, services, appointments, checkups. Uh, there are these things that we usually can just check off the list, and we don't worry about them for a while, or at least that's the goal, right? But sometimes, sometimes because of unexpected or unforeseen circumstances, a checkup, a follow-up is required sooner than anyone planned or intended. And sometimes your vision declined or changes before you regularly, uh, for your next regularly scheduled appointment. Sometimes your vehicle or your policy requires a reevaluation sooner than you or even they anticipated. And usually it's because something changed for the worse. Usually, it's something inconvenient, it's something frustrating, it's something disrupting that has come about. Now, and if you've been awake or aware of the going-ons in 2020, you know exactly why we're having this conversation, don't you? As a church, just like you, just like your families, your companies, your teams, we all had plans that we figured would roll out and along without any major hiccups. That was the goal, of course. Every year, we all come together in our respective circles and places in life, and we make goals, we cast visions, and we anticipate what's to come. 
But 2020 has had a little word uh, with us about those goals and those intentions and those visions, hasn't it? Uh, if you want to, if you look up 2020 in the dictionary, you will find inconvenient, frustrating, disrupting, and a lot of other choice words probably that would follow that, right? And usually, usually when we come together and make these goals and cast these visions, um, you know, not to belittle or, or, or ambition or insult anybody, but usually you could kind of summarize all of our visions in, in, with the same idea or the same concept. Usually every resolution, whether it's a sports team or a business or a church, usually every resolution, every dream is basically some version of this. This is going to be the best year yet. I mean, nobody says, we're going to have a plague this year, and I can't wait. I hope you didn't. Nobody says, I can't wait for the worst year of my life. No one says that. We all expect and pray for, and by all means, we look forward to the best to come. But what we're basically saying is, even if last year was good, there were bound to be a few hurdles along the way. So hopefully, ideally, this year would come without any obstacles or any burdens that's what we hope for, of course. Uh, we know that there will always be a bump here or there, but nobody could have saw coming what 2020 has brought with it, could we? No one could have ever wanted to see 2020 coming, but like it or not, ready or not, none of us could stop it from arriving. We couldn't keep it from sticking around, could we? But alas, such is our current and continuing circumstances. Usually we're able to brute force our way around circumstances that don't line up with what we envision. We usually just find a way, but not this year. More often than not, we've been stopped in our tracks, showing us something that we may not want to admit. Our perfectly envisioned plans are still subpar and high risk at their best. Because our world is far from perfect and gravity doesn't always bend our way. All signs can point to sunny skies and open roads, but 2020 has suggested we may not always want to take the forecast as rock solid. You know, I've been thinking about this all week and uh, praying for this message for, for this Sunday, and, and I was going to just jump right into the next point of our message, but i got to share something with you all. Because sometimes the Lord has a way of confirming and affirming the word He wants us to hear. Uh, so the other night, uh, we were celebrating uh, my niece Lila's birthday. Uh, it was Friday, and we got together at our family pool, and we had just left the house, and Lindsay and I uh, were going outside to do some things, and one of our dogs stays um, pinned up. She runs away, and she escapes and climbs, and and, and won't come back so we have to keep her uh, in a fence but we put her on a line sometimes whenever um, it's going to be sunny outside and I checked the forecast and it said not a cloud in the sky and not a chance of rain so we put her on the, the line and then we headed to the pool because it was time to go and eat and uh, Caroline had the whole place um, you know decked out with uh, Disney fairies and uh, all the stuff that that uh, four-year-old girls would like of course um, but uh, I, I thought it was cool though um, uh, if I do say so myself um, a lot of cool stuff now there was balloons and all kind of stuff um, and we we were about to eat and everybody was just sitting around. We had some umbrellas up just to keep the sun from being so blinding, but not because there was a chance of rain. There wasn't a chance of rain. And as soon as we got to, to get got together to start eating, it started drizzling and we thought, well, this is just going to pass by really quickly. There's no really reason to panic. And then five minutes later, it was like heaven's faucet was just turned up to 10. Uh, and it just began to uh, flood, literally flood the area around my, my grandmother's pool. Uh, I, I saved the pizza, but it was pretty soaked. Nonetheless,
less, and, and it's already really greasy, so, so you know, soaked pizza and greasy pizza doesn't really change the, the condition of it too much. It still gives you heartburn and makes you uh, wake up at 2 a.m. At least that's what happens to me. But um, it was just an awful, awful, just downpouring uh, of, uh, of, of rain. And, uh, of course, that wasn't on the forecast. Some people said that it was. But what I checked, it wasn't on the forecast. Uh, we could not have anticipated it. But the moral of the story and then the moral of 2020, is sometimes the only thing that is certain is uncertainty. Can I get an amen to that? And, and we've learned from that lesson from this year, if we hadn't already learned it. Not only have we learned this year uh, that, certain, that uncertainty is the only thing that is certain, we've learned that our plans are tentative at best, our vision is uncertain, at best, and I'm not trying to discourage you. We've been discouraged enough this year, so this is not really making it worse, right? We often rely on foresight to help us alter our plans in a pinch, but when the bottom falls out and the lights go out, sometimes it's just too late. Sometimes things just get canceled. The lights have went out in many ways in our world this year. They're the lights of all the activities that we look forward to. The open lights of many businesses have been turned off. Literally, the East Coast is without power as we speak. In many places, we've talked about this and last week we talked that the only lights that seem to be on are those warning lights on our dashboard of our cars that say you should pull over because everything that could be wrong has gone wrong. So we've pulled over as a church. We've scheduled a sooner than expected follow-up appointment to get our 2020 vision checked because the number suggests it should be perfect but the experience has suggested otherwise. What we learned from last week is that we shouldn't be in such a hurry to leave the doctor's office. In fact, we aren't in a hurry to leave. We as a church have surrendered to God in this also crucial time. We don't take this year, and we don't have to take this year, as a sign that God has lost control, but as a reminder that He alone is in control. For far too long, we've stood up to God and told Him our plans. So in this time, we want to respond with a stronger desire for His will than our own. We, like Moses, are standing. No, we're bowing before God, asking Him to show us His glory amidst this grim season. We know that right now we are hungry and thirsty, eager and wanting for fulfillment. We are aware there's a need in our hearts. But we, as God's people, know there's a greater satisfaction available for us and we don't want to settle for less Moses the leader uh, as the leader of the nation of Israel knew the nation was vulnerable longing for hope as they stuck around Mount Sinai amidst a plague a warning from God of the danger to depart Moses taught us an incredible lesson rather than leading the nation to become more restless and discontent and making them false promises he led them led them in a pursuit of God for a long time, they had rested on their laurels and took for granted God's provision. And Moses understood that the season they were in, a season of plague, a season of problems, a season of fear, a season of unknown, a season of uncertainty, Moses did not see this season as the enemy, but as an opportunity. An opportunity to have his heart realigned with God's rule, God's will, and God's purpose. Which is why he asked God to ruin his desire for everything but God by showing him a preview of heaven's glory. And we looked last time at Exodus 34 where Moses prays, God, show me your glory. Ruin me of a desire for anything less than you in heaven. 
He asked God to give him a glimpse of those things beyond the earth so that his desire and want for lesser things would be quenched and purged. Moses would pray and fast, empty himself of this world, deny his flesh and his impulses. He broke his will and placed himself totally at the mercy of God. That's, of course, a wild approach, isn't it? Not what we would do um, out of our first instinct. But Moses chose to lean into the tremble amidst the trouble and learn to trust in God. We come to the place of confession and admission last week that we aren't able to run from the uncertainty of this season. We are going to tremble in the presence of God who knows even when we don't know. And as we tremble in His presence, here's what's going to happen. Our big questions, our big fears, frustrations, and concerns are going to bow before our much bigger God. And I know there may be some that promise that these questions, fears, concerns, and frustrations will just go away and be replaced with better things. I can't promise you that. But I do promise you that when we come before God in a holy tremble and we bow before Him, we will understand that He is much bigger than those things. And He is still sovereign over those things. And we will begin to pause and be less quick to get back to what we were involved with and stick around where we need to be a little longer. Now, we're going to talk about what our next step is amidst navigating this crazy season, but let me go ahead and tell you, let me go ahead and get out of the way what isn't next. Here's what isn't next for us. Normality, or as Warren Harding said, normalcy, but that's not really a word. Normality. We aren't going to go back to the way things were before. We aren't ever going to go back to telling God what our plans are. Now, I'm saying we as a church, I can't make decisions for you. But we decided last week, we are not going to go back to telling God what our plans are, putting His will second, third, fourth down the list. Because once we're ruined from this world, we are free from it in its desires. So if we're taking this holy tremble approach, we can't go back to the old way. We don't want to go back to the old way. It may be an option, but we won't settle for it. So that's not next, at least not under the way I'm leading us. Secondly, here's what also isn't next. Certainty concerning this world. Now listen, we crave certainty. We crave it more than normality, really. We want peace of mind more than we want our freedom and time to do whatever we want. We want to know things are okay before things even are okay. But I can't give you certainty about anything of this world. I can't give you any guarantees, and nobody truthfully representing God's Word can. Again, the only thing that's certain in today's world is uncertainty. How about that earthquake this morning? Hello? Here's the thing. The secret, the secret we've convinced ourselves otherwise, we've decided to ignore that uncertainty has always been the norm. We think this isn't the case. We think this is just a 2020 thing, but this has always been the case. And I know it flies in the face of our modern instinct because we have convinced ourselves, no, 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 normalcy, normality is knowing and controlling and being in, in, in control of my own destiny. That's not normal. That has never been the normal. See, we have evolved into a people who have certainty regarding everything, yet our progress is actually just a band-aid over all the things we cannot and never will control. Isn't it true? 
We, as 21st century thinkers and doers, we have evolved into a people that think we can have certainty over anything, but our progress is just a band-aid over what we really have no control over. But Christians, and that's you, this should not discourage us or cause us to cower one bit because long before we convinced ourselves that we had certainty regarding anything, we thrived in a world where uncertainty was the standard. In fact, it's the, it's the way that Christians face uncertainty with confidence that allowed humanity to resist through trials and tribulations that on paper it never should have survived to help shape our current world. And perhaps this gave us a little bit too much confidence. Perhaps it made us a tad arrogant. Perhaps somewhere along the way, we exchanged our confidence in God's guiding hand for confidence in our own filled hands. It was confidence in God that spurred Abraham to step into the unknown. It was confidence in God that gave Moses the bravery to go into the wilderness. It was confidence in God that gave the disciples the boldness to take the gospel behind the Iron Curtain of Rome. It was confidence in God that inspired many in history to choose the hard and costly road over the easy and cheap road. But somewhere along the way, we exchange that kind of confidence for something less. As we made advancements, in progress, in medicine, science, technology, and industry, we lost the need to trust in God because we proved able and strong in and of ourselves. But this year has reminded us that was just an illusion, that we never should have stopped being totally dependent on God. That along the way, we thought we had made it and we stepped out of our total dependence on God and we became so evolved and so advanced and so smart. Our hands were so full, we didn't think we needed it anymore. But, thanks to 2020, we've had our expectations reset. And this should make us question and evaluate our confidence. And this has given us what I call an uncertain opportunity. Now I know an uncertain opportunity seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Because opportunities should be certain. And uncertain usually doesn't mean an opportunity. I mean, if I just put the word uncertain on the screen, that makes us feel bad, doesn't it? I mean, we already feel bad. This has been a 20 minutes of feeling bad. I promise you it gets better. Uncertain just makes us feel nervous, doesn't it? But if you put opportunity in front of it, you think, wow, that means there's something good. There's potential for something better. And you put them together. And we don't really know how to feel. But maybe that's the point. Think about this. Building off of our story last week with Moses, our message about walking by faith. Opportunities always bring with them potential hope. But when we're talking about opportunities from God, the greatest blessings come from the opportunities that require the greatest faith. That Moses had to have great faith to get the great blessing, but we never receive the greatest blessing unless we are willing to have the greatest faith. Those that test our own ability and require us to trust totally in God's. Perhaps we can only become the best version of ourselves when we trust in a God rather than ourselves. This is the hard lesson that Joshua has to learn when he fills the impossible and intimidating shoes of Moses. 
Of course, we learned Moses' secret as a leader last week. Joshua has to learn this quickly as he was thrust into leadership in the most crucial moment in Israel's history. I mean, when Moses became the leader, I mean, what did he have to lose? I mean, stand up against Pharaoh or remain a slave. Either way, you're going to live, you're going to die in Egypt. So he stood up against Pharaoh, and oh no, it worked. And then he stood up against the Red Sea, and then he ended up leading the nation to the cusp of the promised land. And now all that they had set out to do was finally coming to fulfillment. It was finally coming to fruition. And then Moses dies. So now Joshua had it rushed on his shoulders to take the people to the promised land that Moses had lived so much and gave so much to provide for them. It was no more talk anymore. It was all walk. And it fell on Joshua to walk the talk that Moses had taught them. That's the reason for this pep talk God has with Joshua in chapter 1 of his book. He's already had it with him before in Deuteronomy 31, but Joshua needed to hear it again because he could not get the nerve up to even step onto the stage and say, I'm willing to lead the people because he did not believe he was able to because there was so much unknown. Joshua needed to hear that the uncertainty wasn't going away, but neither was God and neither could he. God says, Joshua, all the unknowns, they're not going away. I mean, you are about to step into a land that has giants in it and has warriors in it and has all sorts of traps and setups and problems awaiting you. But Joshua, I am with you. And Joshua, you cannot run from this moment. You were made for this moment. You have been given this job. Nobody else has. And it is up to you to rise to the occasion. And I know it's not ideal, but it's real. And you have been called to fill this position. I want to read again verses 6 through 9 as God reminds Joshua that while there is so much unknown and uncertain, a few things remain very clear. He says, Be strong and of good courage, for this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers, talking about the people of Israel. Be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do whatever according to the law of Moses, which my servant commanded you. Do not turn to the right or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success." Have I not commanded you for the third time now? Be strong and have good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. God reminds Joshua of his job to be a leader so that Israel can fulfill their calling to be a light in a dark world. But this tension, this stress, this uncertainty wasn't going away. And actually, it would serve as a reminder of their need to follow Moses' example, to delight in no one but the Lord. This tension of uncertainty actually helped to build Joshua's faith and it actually helps to build our faith. To see his calling through, to arrive at this place and stay at this place, uh, it's almost like we're going to have to get used to the uneasiness that comes along with it. You see, it's like a seesaw. There's no middle. We're either on one side or the other, and if you try to make the middle work, you just become more miserable and unstable. And that's where most Christians are. If we just go by our own observations and experiences, this is where Christians are. We try to make the middle work, and the middle never works. 
What we have in front of us is one of those uncertain opportunities where we get the chance to become the followers, the believers we were meant to be. Because as Christians, we may be followers of God, but listen, we are leaders in our world. You may not want to be, but as a child of God, as a Christian, you have been called to be a leader in this world. You are a witness. You are a light. You are supposed to be leading people and trusting, abiding in the Lord in the same vein as Joshua in Israel's role. We are supposed to be the pictures of stability and confidence. When all else is uncertain and shaken, we are to be the light of the world. Supposed to be. But come on. We can't run from this. This is our moment and this is our destiny. And God says over us, like he said to Joshua, this season is holy ground. We must be strong and courageous to lead a shaken and frightened world. And now more than ever, the world is running from life itself. If we don't lead, who will? If you don't rise up and lead. And some, whether it's directly your families, your children, your spouse, your co-workers, strangers also. If we don't rise up and lead, who will? I'll tell you who will. Politicians, celebrities, religious charlatans, influencers of every kind. If we don't rise up and lead, guess who will fill that void? Satan has plenty of people on his bench. He knows people are hungry and craving for certainty and will believe lies if someone is willing to give them something to grasp. But come on. Didn't Jesus say that these did Jesus say that these would be the lights of the world? No, he did not. He said, you, you are the light of the world. And if you don't shine, the world will be led in the wrong direction. And hasn't that already been proven true? We as a nation are full of people running around begging for direction. And it's time for the church to show the world there's only one direction to walk in. Otherwise, the darkness will win. Jesus said this in John 9. We must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Think about all that we don't have control over right now. But consider who we can be right now. Suddenly, circumstances like we're facing, as inconvenient, frustrating, disrupting as they may be, as we begin, we begin to see the potential blessing therein. We see the backdrop, the setting, the frame around the stage that we can step onto and live up to our true name. Jesus' little brother James confronted a generation of his Jewish brothers who became Christians. And his, his word to them fits so fitting, works so fittingly with this conversation. They had walked away from the security and comfort, comfortability of the Jewish life and faith. Suddenly they were thrown in uncertainty as the church faced persecution from Rome and from, from Jerusalem. James' community had been so used to this round-of-clock routine and expectation, suddenly their faith disrupted all that. And James elbows his way into their circumstances and he drops this truth on them. Come now, 
You who say tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. He says, come on, how does that work for you? You don't know what tomorrow will bring. And we've learned that, haven't we? He says, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes. James says, don't be distracted by what you don't or can't know when you've finally taken hold of the God that you can know. And even more importantly, our time here is so short. Whether we know that to what tomorrow holds or not, it's a drop in the bucket in light of eternity. So our main focus should never be our wills anyway. It should be always God's. And God's word over Joshua and his generation remains over us today. And here's where God's word to Joshua and James' take on Jesus' message really hits home. We may never obtain certainty about how things will be, but we can have clarity about who we should and are going to be. We may never know how things are going to be tomorrow, but you can know and you can decide ahead of time who you will be tomorrow. You cannot control circumstances. But there's one thing you can control. That's what God's trying to tell Joshua in this pep talk. Why I challenge you to commit these verses to your heart this week and be reminded just as he was facing uncertainty in the land of Canaan, giants and warriors, we may never have certainty regarding circumstances, but we can have clarity regarding our characters. We don't know what will happen, but we know who we can be and what we will do no matter what happens. For so long, Christians depend on living for God based on what we're going to live through. But we don't know what we're going to live through, what we've got to live through, but we can decide who we're going to be no matter what. Church, this is where we can be light in a dark world right now. In a time of pandemic in a time of economic unrest, in a time when our nation and there's an election on the line, we can put different and better and wholesome voices out into society that gives people true and better hope. And while we cannot say, well, I know what's going to happen, or if this happens, this will happen, we don't know. Now, that won't get you elected for office. You've got to lie to get elected. But we aren't running for office. We're running towards a kingdom of a greater king. And we don't know what's going to happen with the economy or with the pandemic. We don't know what's going to happen with the election and for our nation. So we shouldn't pretend like we do. But we can say, we don't know what will happen. But we know what we can do until it happens. We can add clarity to navigate these uncertain situations. And believe me, this will awaken people. This will attract them from what's been distracting them. I want to show you one more thing. It's so simple, but I think it's so effective. Joshua and his generation are gathered up against the rushing Jordan with no plans, no strategy, no organized army. They have the uncertainty of conquest in front of them. Joshua knows who he has to be. He knows who he can be against all this uncertainty. He knows who he has to lead the nation into being. So rather than rallying them around impossible, unlikely, unknown plans, 
He addresses the immediate future, who they can be and what they can do until they are able to address everything else. So listen to Joshua's very timid and very short-term plan as he takes the stand to lead. Verse 11, he says, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this, and he's pointing you to a very specific section, this Jordan to go to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. This exact spot that we have right in front of us is what we're going to tackle first. What about the giants? <laughs> we'll get there. What about Jericho? We'll get there. What about all the other stuff going on in the land? I mean, what about that, that army and that, and that group and those people? We'll get there. We don't know what is going to happen tomorrow or next week or next month. But right now, we have the potential to conquer this little area. Here's what he's saying to them, and it's so big. Let's not focus on what we can't do right now. Let's focus on what we can do right now. As in, what we can do now and what we can do right. You follow me? What we can do the right way, not halfway or the wrong way. What can we do right and what can we do now? We can't predict what's going to happen next month or in November or in 2021. But we can take care of what we can do the right way and now. Within their reach was three days a window of crossing the Jordan. They didn't know what was next. The bigger, maybe more pressing issues, Joshua led them to addressing what was right in front of them. And listen, church, we don't know when we'll have certainty about all the things that seem to be shaken and fragile. But until we do, and even if we never do, we can take advantage of this uncertain opportunity because we have clarity about who we should be and what we should do. Don't allow Satan to intimidate and scare you with what might or might not happen or when it might or when it might not happen. Because ultimately that distracts you from who you should be and what you should do in the immediate here and now. We need to come to God and ask Him for courage and strength to face every day, bring some light into our world. We hear panic over a pandemic. We bring the peace of God. We hear worries over the economy. We bring the Word of God. We are confronted with uncertainty about a nation and a world. We have clarity regarding our place in God's kingdom, our purpose as His children. So may we as His people stand strong and courageous, committed to rightly representing Him in a world that desperately needs Him. And may we take possession of this uncertain opportunity so that the world may clearly see and take hold of our God. This is a rare opportunity. Listen, when 2021 rolls around and everything's back on seven cylinders, people will forget this year ever happened. And we will be worse for that. If normalcy and certainty is what we are after, we will be back where we started. But we want better things. We are going to take possession of this uncertain opportunity so the world may clearly see and take possession of our God. Verse 9, one more time. 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever we go. So we're giving our marching orders loud and clear, couched in this promise. More certain than the uncertainty of this life is the certainty that God is with us and we will always be with Him. I can't guarantee you anything about this life. But on His promises, I can guarantee you that He will be with you. And you will always be with Him. On earth, and even better, in heaven forever and ever. So let's turn our lights on. Let's brighten a dark world. And let's lead like the people we've been called to be. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your house today. Thank you for the encouragement you've given us, for the wisdom that you've showed us from your word that it might fly in the face of what we want to hear, but it is exactly what we need to hear. Father, I know that there is, no, there is nothing that is certain about this world. But your presence and your peace is all the certainty that we need. Father, somebody in the house today is ready to surrender to you. They've pushed back and they've tried to, to just wait it out. But in this message today, you've shown them they can't do that. And they, they're waiting for normalcy, they're waiting for certainty, but you've shown them they can't do that. The world needs leaders right now. The world needs Christians right now. And if we don't rise up and lead, there are plenty of people ready to fill that void. So Father, I pray you would anoint this house. You would anoint these people. You would anoint everyone that hears today with a spirit from heaven that says, you are a leader. You are a light. And a world that is hungry and craving for certainty, we are going to give them something better. And no, I can't promise you what will happen but I can show you who we should be and what we can do until it happens. And that will quench an even greater thirst and that can rescue us from the bondage of fear and uncertainty. Father, as we have this moment of invitation, I pray you would move to this house. If anybody has a need, I pray they would come to you and surrender and accept your calling over them like Joshua before them to be a leader, to be strong and courageous, and to go be a light. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.